Hey, this is Don Robertson. I am the EVP and CHRO at Northwestern Mutual. If you're wanting to learn how to embrace change and navigate through disruption as a leader, then listen to the Leadership is Changing podcast with my good friend, Dennis Giannotsas. Welcome to Leadership is Changing. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change. This is taking your leadership to another level by finding the balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Hey, welcome to the show, Leadership is Changing. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Leaders everywhere confront similar obstacles because people are people, but everywhere you go, leaders are overwhelmed, disrupted, and under pressure. They run from email to email, meeting to meeting. Many leaders are not changing quick enough, which means they run the risk of becoming irrelevant and being left behind. The purpose of the show is taking our listeners' leadership to another level by finding their balance between executive excellence and personal well-being through stories that inspire real change. I believe we don't have enough effective leaders in the world today, and if we can get the leaders to step up and lead change, then they can inspire real change. It is now time to adapt in our fast-moving world. Today, listeners, I have a guest, and his name is Don Robinson. Don is the Executive Vice President and Chief Human Resources Officer and a member of the Senior Leadership Team of Northwestern Mutual. It's a 30-plus billion dollar company, and it's a Fortune 102 uh, financial services company, the largest U.S. provider of life insurance and the manager of more than $265 billion in policy uh, holder assets. He's led organizations uh, and he's invigorated the way these companies have viewed talent, establishing people vision, building out teams, expanding growth, development and diversity, and truly transforming the employee experience. Don launched his career in accounting, finance and sales as well as support of IPO efforts before moving into human resources. He resides in Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, with his wife and two sons, and he serves as a member of the board of directors of the Northwestern Mutual Foundation, Wisconsin Humane Society, and the Milwaukee Public Museum. Hey, Don, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. It's great to be here. Yeah, cool. Hey, look, I've, I've just shared a little bit about your background. Is there anything else you might want to add about your background? Tell us a little bit more about you. Yeah, as uh, as uh as you alluded, uh, I started my career basically in finance. So one of the the great advantages of uh, being a senior HR leader these days is everything is about fin- financials. And so having the first 16, 17 years of my career in finance, a variety of roles uh, from you know accounting to finance to M&A um, really gave me a strong foundation to really understand business. And, and these days, doesn't matter which function you're in, you need to be able to talk the language of business. You need to understand what your business is trying to accomplish, even if you're in HR. And so and then I spent about the next uh, five or so years in general management and sales kind of roles and uh, and spent some wonderful time at some great companies, GE, at uh, Stanford Research Institute, Deloitte, and uh, of course, HP, where I spent almost 15 years. And when I made my transition into, into HR, when you and I got to know each other. I lived all over the world. I've lived in Singapore, uh, spent a lot of time in Europe. Um, and of course, I spent most of my time in California and now here in Milwaukee. And then, and then, oh, and then I, when I left HP, I did a few startups and uh, some went well, some didn't go so well. And now I'm here at Northwestern Mutual and I'm really excited to be here. 
Yeah, awesome. And when you turn around, well, we'll just talk before about the HR and having that business knowledge. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think that what I see uh, of, of late, and I, I know you and I have talked about this before, whereby if you're in the HR side of things and you bring that business experience in, you have a different credibility in mm-hmm. front of those business leaders. Is that true? And, and how have you got people to get that business experience and coming into the HR space? Well, I mean, the reason why it's it's a very important is because ultimately business leaders are trying to achieve business outcomes. You're mm-hmm. not doing things related to HR for HR's sake. You're doing it to achieve business outcomes. So if you have an understanding and can speak in a language that business leaders understand, they're gonna they're gonna quickly understand that you get what they're trying to do, and they're gonna resonate to what you're talking about. And so you can build that credibility much faster. You know, I've had a big advantage of that because I spent about half my career. So 35 years of my career and about half of it in finance and general management, about half of it in HR. So it's much more natural to me. When, when, when I see people that have only spent their entire career in HR, one of the things that I try to do is put them in roles where they actually have to really understand the business and get to know the business a little bit better and get them that experience, get them exposed to workforce planning, get them exposed to budgeting, get them exposed to some of the areas um, so that they start to understand the business better. In fact, I tell people all the time, how are you going to recruit for, develop talent, identify talent and so forth if you don't understand what the business is trying to accomplish? So that's, you know, those are some of the things. But clearly when I look for talent that I'm trying to recruit, especially externally, I'm looking for people that have had a little bit more than just HR experience. Yeah, yeah. And, and Don, when you uh, talked about your career and going from finance and then into general management, that what got you into leadership? Well, I think, you know, listen, I think one of the reasons that I've been able to ascend in my career and, and, and achieve things is I've always really focused on what is the business trying to accomplish. And, and, and I was always had a big, strong affinity for then, therefore, what talent do you need to make it happen? I mean, you know, now we all recognize that it's all about talent, the talent wars. And but many years ago, it wasn't so much that way. People were people saw talent. And, and individuals as anybody can do anything. And it's it's a lot more, you better make sure that people have the skills and capability. It's less about the relationship. It's less about the familiarity. Those are important, but it's more about what is the skill? What is the capability? What is the experience that person has? What do you need to accomplish? And I just always felt like I was really pretty good at actually recognizing talent, it, especially early in their career. Like you give me somebody that is smart, because I can't make you smart, somebody with good energy, because I can't give you energy, and somebody with a positive attitude, I can coach and teach you anything. But if you have those three things, you have the intellectual horsepower, you have the energy, and you have the positivity and how you look at things, the, the, the possibilities are endless. And so I just really enjoyed developing and growing and getting to know talent and, being, and, and giving people chances and opportunities. And I think leadership today is much more about recognizing talent and putting them in positions of success and identifying people early in their careers who have the capabilities and and having more of a plan for how you're going to grow and develop folks rather than just have things happen by accident. Yeah. Hey, listeners, a powerful combination. Don's just shared with us there about being, you know, the people are smart uh, with the energy, the right energy, and also the right attitude. If you can bring that combination together and recognize that talent right up front or even earlier in the career, but then give them a pathway for them to go and excel, uh, that's a great thing. And it's also a really strong responsibility of a leader to Mm -hmm. do today and, uh, and make sure we do that. Hey, Don, I've got a question here, which is, who's your favorite leader? Now, this person can be alive or can be from history. Who's your favorite leader and why? 
Well, let me talk about a leader that I actually got a chance to work with. Um, he's no longer with us, but Jack Wells at GE. And let me just say up front, Jack wasn't wasn't the nicest guy, but the thing I loved about Jack and why I admired him as a leader is there are two things that I think a leader has to have to be to be really a legacy type leader. One is they have to have a vision. They have to be able to see out in front of where their business is going. What do you need to do? You need to be out in front and leading. And one of the things that was was great about Jack, he was one of the very early CEOs who really understood the power of developing successors and developing a talent pool and having this absolute responsibility as a leader to develop future leaders. But he not only had had, had the vision, he had the he had the uh, the the con- courage of his conviction to execute on it. Jack, you know, if he didn't think you were going to be somebody that could be the next leader, he didn't think twice about moving you to the side or putting you somewhere else. Oftentimes, leaders today, they know the right thing to do, but they don't oftentimes have the conviction and the courage to do it because Uh either they have a relationship, it's a friend, it's somebody in their network, somebody's been here a long time, oh, they deserve the opportunity. Jack was ruthless in in, in uh, in his ability to execute against his vision because he always kept in mind the, the, the ultimate goal, which is to really develop future leaders. And he didn't care where you came from, who you were, what your background was. He cap- cared about, did you have the, the, the skill set and really the capability? And so uh, I just always admired how, he's had, how he had that ability. And frankly, I think it's one of the things that leaders, many leaders could be great leaders struggle with. They know the right thing to do, but do you have the courage to do it? Yeah, and the courage of actually having that conversation, making that decision, getting right. on with it. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but I think the other thing that I'm sort of picking up as well about Jack Welsh and what you're saying is, whatever he was doing, it's it was always consistent. Correct. And if you're if you've got the courage and the consistent side of things, that that's that's another very powerful tool to to have up in our in our sleeves as well. Yeah. Okay, great. Now the show is called Leadership is Changing, and that term uh, leadership is changing. When I say that, what what does that mean for you, Don? Well, I think I think years ago, being a leader meant you had a big title, you had the hierarchy. It was always everybody was chasing the brass ring. It was, you know, and I, I tell people all the time, everybody wants the compensation and the title and the privileges of leadership. But m- many times people don't really want the responsibility of leadership. Um, right. Today, leaders, to me, t- to be a great leader, you have to be first and foremost, a multiplier of talent. You have mm. to be the. You have to be someone who is identifying talent, growing talent, uh, you know, mentoring talent, recognizing talent, and moving talent around the organization. You know, oftentimes if we have a great person that works for us, we don't want to let them go. But the responsibility you have is to seed the rest of the organization with great talent that you develop and grow and develop. And I think you know it's not so much anymore about your title and your trappings. Those things still are important, but it's more about the experience that you have, the, the ability to recognize and grow talent. And, and, and often, and it's important that when you put somebody in a leadership position, that they do have the experience. That it's okay that they are, are um, maybe a little green or maybe they're not quite ready. But let me give you an example. You know, oftentimes I'll see leaders get moved into a position and they don't have the experience to draw from to know what to do in situations. And, and you know, they may know intuitively what to do, but if mm. you don't have real life examples of where you've dealt with it, it's hard sometimes to be able to do it. A great example is, hey, Dennis, you know how to drive a car, right? And yep. you drive on the opposite side of the road as, as I do. Oh, um, you mean on the, on, on the right side of the road? Yeah, the yeah. right side of the road. But um, <laughs> you, um, you, and you know your area and you go to work, you drive to your grocery store, you drive yes. home. But if I took you and dropped you in the middle of South America, 
you still know how to and put you in a car that you never drove before on the other side of where you drive right now and told you to go to a location. You still intuitively know how to drive. But as you're as you're getting in the car, you're not familiar with how it operates. As you're moving to where you're going to next, you have to look at maps. You're slower. You're not as because you haven't done it before. But after a few months in that location, you would be just as efficient as you are where you are. So the more that we have actual tangible experiences to draw from, the quicker our ability to ramp, the quicker our ability to react, the more the more we're able to use our our more advanced part of our brain rather than just a rudimentary part. Yeah, that's a, that's a great example there, Don, and, and you're right. I mean, I think that, um, yeah, you're right. I mean, I, I remember every time I was coming to the U.S. to do events and things like that, and I, I would get off the plane and then have to jump in a car, a rental car, and then be on the different side of the car driving and then on a different yep. side of the road while also being jet-lagged. And, yep. um, and that whole combination, yeah, sort of struggled. You're but not then, at your best. You're not at your best. Yeah, yeah, you're right. You're not at your best. And so, yeah, it's really interesting. Hey, something you said before about a responsibility for mm-hmm. – for these growing this talent there, but sometimes we don't want to see them go. And the time, the number of times I see leaders get upset that they're this person that they've grown and so forth is mm-hmm. going, moving on to another role. Well, what, what would you be one or two things you might say to those leaders who do get upset and 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 don't want to let go of their people? Well, I, I think the, the thing that I would be saying to those leaders is, wow, that's great. You've done a great job. You've developed a future leader that's now moving on in the organization. And in fact, I challenge companies to measure a leader's success, not uh-huh. by how strong their own team is, but how many people that used to work for them that are now up in senior positions around the company. And in fact, one of the things I liked about Jack was he used to measure that. They used to measure that at GE. If you were a leader that developed, let's say, 10 people that were in the top box of a nine box, that was actually seen as a very strong thing. And you were, you were compensated for that. You were rewarded for doing that. It's so it, you need to, as a company, you need to value, put more value on the development of leaders rather than your own team. I mean, one of the things I'm most excited about when I came to Milwaukee, here I am coming to Milwaukee, a city I don't know, and I and about six or seven people that have worked for me at HP and previous three or four companies, they've joined me. The fact that people have worked for me, you know, in other parts of the country, other companies, and they want to come join me tells me, you know, they, they must think I'm doing something to help them grow and develop their careers. Sure. Yeah. And, and by the way, they've worked for me. They've done great things and they've left and gone taking bigger jobs and then they've come back. So, you know, our jobs as leaders is to really take the talent and grow and develop it and then set it free. Let it let it because, you know, we're I as much as I like to think of myself as a good leader, there's other things they can learn besides just working for me. So I would tell that person, you know, take pride in the fact you're developing leaders for the rest of the organization. And who knows that person may want to come back and work for you someday. And and Dennis, one final thing on that, the more that you can demonstrate to your people that you care about their career more than you care about your own, the more that they're going to actually help, help you, the more that they're going to believe in you. Cause when employees, you know, when your people think about what's important to them, they want to, they want to be, compensated competitively. They want to be recognized for the contributions they give. They want to work for leaders who will grow and develop them, who care about them and will mentor them. Leaders who will inspire them, who will give them hope, purpose, who will give them a vision. They want to work in an environment where they can grow and develop and move up. And they want to work with colleagues they enjoy and have the tools and technology to do their jobs and do them effectively. Mm -hmm. And if you get those things right, that's what a leader's responsibility is. 
Oh, fantastic, Don. Yeah, and I, I, you know what, I, I just watch. I remember you and I sitting in a room in the Philippines, and then I'm also there's another example too of you and I sitting in another room in Palo Alto, and we had talent around us and had individuals working for you, mm-hmm. and then the other one where that uh, was working for another very senior executive. Um, but just to watch both of those, those groups and the roles I've gone off to go and do, and um, and see how they've succeeded, and see mm-hmm. how you've actually inputted into their life, their careers and so forth has been tremendous to see it. And it's it's not just people talking about it, it's actually watching it happen mm-hmm. and actually being part of it as well. And I think mm-hmm. that you're so right. And I think that's the success of the leader. It's our success story, watching others go off to, to do very well. Hey, um, Don, oh. ha- go on. Yeah. No, I was going to say, Dennis, remember we created the MAP program, the Management Association program for, uh, yep. for HP for the junior HR people. And if you remember, I always made my chief of staff position when I was in uh, Singapore, a, a map. I always wanted a map and I rotated one every six months. And the reason why I did that is you give somebody young and talented the exposure to what it means to be a senior leader. It's yep. amazing how it fast tracked their career. And almost every single person who was a map for me at the, in that time and after that has gone on to be a CHRO or a senior HR person at, at, at large environments. I can't even tell you how many, you know, have and some people multiple times. It's incredible how you how how uh, if you give talent the right opportunities how they'll take advantage of it and move and 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 grow from it yeah yeah just give them the opportunity let them fly let them let their wings spread (laughs) and away they go hey um how's your business or industry changed and how's that and what demand has that put on you and your team well i mean the biggest challenge in in a lot of industries ours included is you know 15 17 you know years ago the digital world really didn't exist the way it does today mm-hmm. and so you know many things that that we did a certain way um, are obviously very different today we have an environment where um, the personal and the business worlds are colliding almost almost where there's it's almost hard to tell which is which and you know we live in a very impulsive world where you know I want a car I call an uber I want food I go doordash I want and so as a result of that the the, the, the our industry is becoming much more digital much more real time people want access to information when they want it they want it to be current they want it to be a, a holistic you know in our business of course life insurance and wealth management and other insurance products when people are interacting with us they want to be able to certainly have that face to face and kind of relationship experience but they also want to have that digital experience where they can go in and see all their information and have access to it and play with it and so this was an industry that traditionally has not been very technology driven and has not mm-hmm. been very technological and it, and it certainly hasn't been as modern and as advanced as some of the other companies. And so as a company, we're having to really shift from a talent base that is uh, lived in an analog world to all of a sudden a talent base that understands how to build and, and operate in a digital world while maintaining the traditions and the positives of what existed in the past. So it's a little bit of the heritage of the past. You bring a heritage of the traditions with the edge of the future. And so we've got to kind of, and so from a culture and from a leadership standpoint, trying to merge those two things together. Um, and in our company, it's kind of going from a bit of a lifetime of, of employment to more of a lifetime of opportunity. And so we've, be, you know, from passive to proactive, from uh, from company will take care of you to the company and you together will build your future. So it's it's more of a it's more of an active, choice driven world that we live in now. And 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 the the talent and the technology needs to to really keep pace with that. Yeah. Wow. 
No, that's amazing. It's almost like bring them into the twenty into the into the new mm-hmm. century, right? That now, but yeah, still bring in that heritage that you're saying side of things, Correct. which are the traditions. Yeah, fantastic. Now, if there was one thing that you could change in business as a leader today, what would that one thing be? I think we kind of talked about it. I mean, I would if I could change in leaders, it's it's really two things. It's one is be focus on your talent more and be willing to make the tough calls on talent. I think oftentimes leaders mislead their 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 people by giving giving them the impression that they're doing better than they are or or they're not they're not willing to take risks on talent. I'd love to see leaders take more risks on on more uh, you know, uh, inexperienced talent. It's oftentimes we tend to recirculate the same folks at the top of the company, and yet we don't give opportunities for those in the lower levels who who are who could be your next superstar, but they're kind of stuck in an organization. They're stuck below a couple of levels because we're more concerned on you know the relationships, the familiarity. So you know, making tougher calls on talent, I think, is a big one. And by the way, it doesn't mean you want to be callous about it. It doesn't mean no. those people necessarily have to exit the company. But if they're blocking, if they're blocking, you need to be a lot more thoughtful about the positions where you're allowing people to sit in them that are blocking talent below them and, and really make sure that your leaders, leaders really need to make sure that your most important priorities, so therefore your most important roles have your very best people. You know, we used to think about in the world of don't have your box six and box five people in your most critical roles. Those should only be top talent. And I think it's uh, it's it's leaders struggle with that because I think um, you know they become very familiar with people. They have strong, perf- solid performers and roles, but they're not necessarily going to be game changers. And you have to be willing to sometimes move people around to create those kind of situations. Yeah, and I think there's many times that we've seen whereby somebody has been okay, done all right, but then if you take them from that leader and put it with another leader or put them into a different role, and you see them take off. Mm-hmm. Well, then what was the difference? What what changed? And it was giving them that opportunity or, sure. as you say, taking the risk and, um, and and having the courage to do that for sure, which is really, really quite important. How has um, employee expectations changed? Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, you know, when, when I started in business in the 1980s, employees didn't have an expectation that that, that leadership was going to be nearly as transparent as what employees expect today. I mean, uh, the generations of today and employees of today, they expect you to be 100% authentic with them, which you should be anyways, but also yep. 100% transparent with them. You know, they want to know everything. They want detail. They want to know why you made that decision. I think the biggest challenge for a lot of leaders today is they, they do a lot of telling employees what they're going to do and how they're going to do it, but but they don't spend enough time talking about why it's mm. important. You know, I mean, example, you, you see with this COVID situation, a number of companies are obviously struggling with the, some of the business challenges and they're doing pay cuts and other times the reductions. But it, it, but if you come out and explain to your employees why, you know, what's going on in your business, the impact, what it has and how, how you know, how it's impacted your business, the more that you're willing to be transparent with your employee base about why and what's going on, the more yep. they're going to understand and have a broader perspective. I think one of the challenges that that leadership always has with employees, and you see these disconnects all the time, is leadership knows everything, right? So their their perspective is very broad. Employees only see their piece of it. And if you don't make the effort to help bridge that gap, 
when you make when you make decisions and roll them out without giving the perspective, employees are only left with the ability to look at it from their own perspective, which is very narrow. And but if you can broaden their perspective by giving them more information, it makes a, it starts to bridge the difference, and then they have a better understanding. You know, they're still going to be have their own perspectives, and they're probably going to still be a little bit selfish, but. But um, they'll have a better per- perception, and I think employees insist on that. Um, and in fact, what I would say to people, as your as your t- uh, you know what employees' expectations are, is you know as leaders, you know there's three or four fu- fundamental things I would tell you to be. First of all, be authentic because if you're not, they'll know it. Be empathetic. Employees don't expect you to be sympathetic necessarily or understand everything they're thinking, but they expect you to empathize. Because yep. when you're when you're doing something that's impacting employees, they're not their thought isn't at first about the company; it's about themselves. And so, the more that you can demonstrate empathy, the more that you can demonstrate humility. You know, remove the arrogance wherever you can. You want to be confident, but you want to be humble. You want to also be you. Know, they want optimism, but they want cautious, cautious or or tempered optimism. They don't want rose-colored glasses. And if you approach employees by being your authentic self, by being transparent, by being humble, by being optimistic and confident, but not arrogant, they will resonate with that. And that's what they want. And, you know, the more you can, you can balance those things, you know, we've all seen when leaders get on stage and they're all, they're the smartest guy in the room and they're great. Look at me. The more you can tone those things down, but, you know, and, and make it about them the more effective you're going to be. Yeah, tremendous. Yeah, that's awesome. So the four things, again, uh, listeners, if you did, uh, just to sort of recap again, uh, really, really strongly authentic, empathetic, humility, and optimistic as well, or the optimism as well. If you can resonate with that, that's fantastic. So often leaders do talk about the what, the how, but they leave the why out. And if you can get that why and they can understand it and they can resonate with it, that'll be really good. And they'll go on the journey with you for sure. Hey, um, Don, here's an interesting one. What makes a leader successful today in this fast-paced, ever-changing world? Yeah, I mean, well, there's a number of things that leaders have to do today. I mean, one is they have to be very – their ability to adapt and pivot is critical. So you absolutely have to be able to grasp information. So we get back to this whole conversation earlier about understanding the business. The more you understand – the, the 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 scope and breadth and 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 the and the parameters and the and the and the uh, influences of your business. You don't have to spend time then in, in thinking through as things come at you. You know, uh, the more you become instinctive in those kind of things, the more natural. Then you're not spending your time with that, so that you could pivot as things change. I mean, I'll, I'll give you an example. In our company, you know, COVID hit us, and all of a sudden we had to go from being 100% almost in the office to 100% virtual in a matter of days. And, you know, the ability to pivot and have a team that believes in you and they have the connections and the relationships. And my team just did a phenomenal job of getting us ready for that. But, you know, when you go home on a Friday and you're, you know, you're in the office, all of a sudden you're two days later, you're going to 100 percent virtual. That's you better be prepared to, to adapt. So you, you have to be resilient. You have to be adaptable. I mean, I talked about the, the, the things that authenticity, the humility, the, uh, the empathy. You have to be able to build relationships and even with people that you don't agree with, you know, I mean, um, I think one of the most powerful things a leader can be is a great, has a, have a great ability to, to listen and understand the people that have differing views, because the only way you're going to ultimately move your uh, agenda, which is hopefully the company's agenda forward, is by getting those people that are not always on board with you, on board with you. And, uh, and the, the, by the way, the best way to do that 
is to be able to be outcome focused, not opinion focused. I tell people all the time, we both want the same outcome. So let's talk about how do we get that and let's brainstorm different ideas rather than arguing about the what's the way we're going to do it or what we're going to do. Let's let's work back from what we agree on, not work first on what we disagree on. Yeah. So a leader just has to have they have to have great people skills. They have to have, um, frankly, a lot of energy. This Hmm. whole COVID thing has forced us. You know, it used to be, you know, you, you'd have a meeting, you go walk down the hall, you grab a coffee, you might go to the you know, restroom. And now you're on just one of these kinds of calls after another for seven, eight, nine hours straight. And, you, and the difference between a leader is I always have to be on. Every time it's like, you know, I remember in sports when a great team has been, is noted for whether it's soccer and it's, you know, Madrid or one of the top, you know, f- football teams or whether it's the top baseball team, if you're in America, you know, when they're, when they've won their thing and then they're playing uh, weaker teams over the next six, seven weeks, you're always their biggest game, you know? So when I'm meeting with people, I always have to have the attitude, they're meeting with a senior leader. This is, this is special to them. And I have to be at my very best in every single meeting I'm in, whether I'm on stage whether I'm in a town hall, whether I'm in a round table, whether I'm in these kind of sessions, I have to bring my best to everything I do. And so I think the other thing a leader has to do is take care of themselves, you know, stay fit, stay healthy, you know, have a balanced family life. So you have something else in your life besides work. You know, for me, Dennis, you know, I'm a fitness guy. And so, you know, I just, to me, it's just try to find what works for you for a balance. But I think a leader just has to be really adaptable and, and, and able to operate in a lot of different environments. Yeah, I agree. And I think that, you know, one thing I've noticed with you is that um, ever since I met you, you were that fitness guy, but you're also well-dressed, always well-dressed, and <laughs> which was always good. And um, great to see you. you always just to compare with me, oh, where do you get your shirts done? And where do you get this done? It was always a great conversation. Yeah. But that the thing is, changed. You, that hasn't changed, by the way, Dennis. And just that's awesome. Today. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. And And I think the other key thing that you've said there is the energy. Having that really strong energy is really important. So, Don, when you mentioned earlier on about the, the four things, the authentic, empathetic, humility, and optimism, with us going into more of that virtual side and when you mm-hmm. when when you see that, does that amplify those things more for a leader? I mean, does a leader need to amplify it more when it's more virtual? Yeah, it's really hard. I mean, you know, fortunately at our company, we have a lot of video types of, like this that we're using to stay connected because it's very difficult to stay connected to people. I mean, we have, you know, many people that have kids, they have families, they have lots of challenges in this situation. You're working at home, you got kids home, you got parents home. And so you want to maintain that connectivity with your employees. I mean, you could have, we have many employees that are, you know, single young people that are in a small apartment by themselves and, you know, they aren't allowed to go out and do anything. So you have a whole variety of different situations that your, your employees are dealing with and to be able to stay connected to them is critical. And that's one of the reasons, you know, it's funny. I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. I mean, we've been doing employee town halls like this. And employees have really gravitated to the fact that senior people like myself were in our homes. They get to see our houses. Yeah. You know, in my case, I still, you know, you know, I always had dogs. I have three dogs and they're in the back and people are like on Slack talking about, hey, when's he going to show his other dog? <laughs> and so, you know, you create you just have to create a new normal. It's a different normal. And it's um, it's it, I think it actually allows 
employees to connect with us in a more personal way than when you're on stage wearing a suit, you know, in a, in a formal setting. So I think the informality of this of this has created a whole different dynamic that if you take advantage of it, you can you can you can become much more approachable and much more welcoming to your employees than you ever could in a formal sense and um, in a formal setting. And I think as a result, as long as you're making the effort, but you have to make the effort to stay connected. You can't rely on email. You can't rely just on phone calls. You can't assume that your people are are doing okay. You have to constantly connect with them. We do like a survey every month. How are you doing? What do you need? You know, when New York, our New York office had some issues because you know everybody knows about how bad New York had it for a while. We sent mm-hmm. care pa- we sent care packages to every one of our employees with things as simple as toilet paper and and things that you just couldn't get. You know, and I remember how appreciative all our people were that we did that. You know, that we were thinking about them in, in, in that way. And so uh, I think you have a responsibility, and an, and and frankly, an almost a moral obligation to be much more connected to your employees than you ever have in the past. Yeah, nice. And Don, have you, I mean, I know that you love playing golf. Have you ever done a Zoom meeting on a golf course when you're out playing golf? <laughs> no, I haven't tried that yet. Um, uh, I have been getting out to play a lot of golf and the weather here in the summer has been quite beautiful. But uh, no, we haven't. Um, I have done a lot of Zoom meetings where I've been in the backyard with the dogs of the lake. So we, the beauty and the power of Zoom is obviously, um, you know, your flexibility and where you do them. And uh, it's been kind of neat. To, you know, I, I try to, this is my office that I'm in right now, which is, you know, which is nice, but not nearly as pretty as uh, the room I normally do town halls with, which has windows all the way around the lake. And, and so it just, it just creates a different level of flexibility. And it almost is a, for what it's worth, it almost just creates a freedom in the, in the way you operate. You're not, you know, you're not tied down to the kind of the traditions that we're all used to. And I think it's been a real positive thing. Very good. Here's a question for you. If I was to get you to get your crystal ball out and start thinking about the future, where, where do you see leadership being in five years? Well, I mean, I, I, I really believe that it's already starting to head to where it's going to go. And I think leadership is going to be more about your ability a, around understanding what are the skills and capabilities at a much more granular level that you're going to need as an organization to be successful? I think I think the things that I talked about from the attribute standpoint are going to still be the case. But I think what leaders are going to have to be much better at is assessing and growing talent. I think that there is less talent today, less great yep. talent today than we need. And I think what's going to happen is the people that are the most talented are going to have lots of options about where they go to work and what they do. And I think and how they want to do their work. You know, I mean, you know, the, the days of saying everybody's got to be in an office and everybody's got to be here eight to five. I think leaders are going to have to be much more flexible and open to different styles of working and motivating people in different ways. You, I think it's much more incumbent on the leader to adjust their style. Today, we expect all our people to conform to the way we operate, you know, and I think t- tomorrow it's going to be much more about conforming to how people need to operate. And I think that, you know, a lot of in the United States here, we have a lot of diversity and inclusion challenges that we're dealing with. And I think leaders are going to have to be a lot better at adapting their existing culture to make to make a much more off- allowing all employees to come to work with their authentic selves rather than people having to conform to certain styles and approaches. So I, I think it's going to require a lot more diversive, a lot more open thinking, a lot more creativity of leaders. And I, and I really can tell you ta- that the talent is going to go where the best leaders will grow and develop them. And if you are not one of those, you're not going to get the talent. 
Yep. Okay, good. Hey, Don, it's always uh, superb having a conversation with you. Uh, thank you thank for you. joining us on the show today. If our listeners are wanting to get hold of you, where, where should they go? Well, I'm on LinkedIn, so they can find me on that. And if, uh, if you know, obviously I get a ton of those. So if, um, but if somebody wants to identify that they listen to the show and they have a question, I'll try to respond. But you know, I'm on Don Don Robertson Northwestern Mutual on LinkedIn, and they can find me. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, once again for joining us on the show today. Mm-hmm. What we as leaders know to be true is that change is constant. Change is incredibly scary, especially with the unknown and the unfamiliar territory. It's time to adapt in our fast-moving world when leadership is changing. Hey, listeners, look out for the episodes as they're being released. Uh, Download them, listen to them, put a review and put a rating. If there is some feedback you'd like to give me on the show or if there's a question you'd like me to ask my guests, and then if there's a question you'd like to ask me on the Ask Dennis episode that happens once a week, then send me an email at dennis at leadingchangepartners.com and uh, look forward to uh, seeing your emails come through. The other thing, too, is just go on Facebook. Check out the Leadership is Changing uh, group. Um, on Facebook, so uh, feel free to join that as well. Other than that, listeners, hey, thanks for joining us on the show today. Uh, Great having you here with us. We'll talk again soon. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Leadership is Changing with your host, Dennis Giannoutsas. Each week, we and our guests provide information and insights through exploring leading change, inspiring executives and leaders to adapt and lead a bigger game in a fast-moving world. 